It's good to see you this morning. If you're online, it's great that you're, you're with us as well today. And it's just great to be in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Before I get into my sermon, so I'm just saying, this isn't my allocated sermon time. I just want to say that out as we start off. I just want to highlight uh, this week, I know Bernard shared it, the prayer card, cards. The idea is that you put on the prayer card something that is impossible to you. Something that you just want to bring before God. And on Tuesday, the reason we want you to leave them here is on Tuesday, we're going to lay them out on the front of the stage and we're just going to encourage people to come and take, take a card and pray about it and put it back and take another one and pray for that. Believing that God does the impossible. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. Five of you believe that. That's great. That's, but God does. You know, he does the impossible. The things that you and I cannot do. And also... This next week is our sort of termly week of prayer and fasting. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to pray with us here on Tuesday for our, our first Tuesday, Praying the Impossible. When we gather on Thursday together, as we come around communion, it'll be a more reflective service. There'll be time for prayer there as well, but also in your, your own personal prayer times. You know what? Uh, maybe grab a couple of people, gently, but grab a couple of people and say, Would you, should we gather to this week? Should we have coffee and, and just pray together? So you're not just isolated on your own. Maybe phone somebody. Should we pray over the phone? So that this week, as, as, as a church gathered together, we're, we're just praying about the impossible things that are going on in our lives. I want to encourage you to get involved in the fasting aspect of that as well. It's great that we've got a feast as we're starting prayer and fasting. So just fill up, okay, over lunch. Just fill up so it'll guide you through whatever it is you're going to fast from. But I just want to, before I preach, very quickly, uh, never believe a minister when he says that, but very quickly run through four different types of fast for those who may not be experienced in fasting. First of all, you've got a selective fast. That's where you remove certain elements from your diet, like a Daniel fast where you only eat water uh, and juice and fruit and vegetables. Or it might be in your selective fast that you remove all of the chocolate and crisps and sweet, all of the nice stuff that you eat throughout the week. Or, or you might be really brave and you remove tea and coffee from your diet this week. And um, that's a selective fast. A partial fast is where you might fast from food in the morning and, and the afternoon and only eat in the evening. Or you might just have breakfast and an evening meal but not have your lunchtime. That's a, a partial fast, often called a, a Jewish fast. Then there's the complete fast, where for the next seven days you only drink water and light juices, but you eat no food. If that's the fast that you do this next week, your mansion is huge in heaven. I just want to just want to say that. But with that one, it, you know, only do a complete fast. I would say if you really believe in your spirit that God is calling you to do that, and physically you're able to do that. And then finally, there's a soul fast. Great if you have health issues or you're not experienced in fasting from food. In this fast, you might, for example, choose to give up social media, which for some of you, a complete fast might be easier, but you choose in a soul fast to give up social media or you give up watching television and then you seek to carefully reintroduce that in your life at the end of the fast. It doesn't mean that at the end of a soul fast, you go on social media for 23 hours out of the 24 hours of a day but you seek to reintegrate it slowly into your life. So that's a selective fast, a, a partial fast, a complete fast, 
and a soul fast. And I just want to encourage you to, to ask God, what is it? Which of those does he want you to take part in this week? The Bible encourages us to fast. And when you add fasting to your prayers, don't ask me how it works, because I'm not God. It's something powerful happens. God adds the super to our natural. So church, let's join together this week in our prayer and fasting as a church. And with that selective, partial, complete and soul fast, I believe there's something in there for every single one of us that we can get involved in. In some way, shape or form, we can be involved in fasting as well as praying together this week. Amen? You with me? One, we may be. I'll have to see what God says to me after, but I'm not committing myself just yet, you know. Today it's great to continue our Lent series on being confident in our walk with Jesus. And we'll finish this series next Sunday, which will be Easter Sunday. For those of you who have given up something for Lent, you're nearly there. One more week to go. You can, you can see the bar of chocolate that you've bought specially ready. And it's got a big post-it note on it that says, hands off to anybody else in the family. That's yours next week. But, but I wonder what in life are you scared to do? Things like a, a bungee jump or a, a parachute jump or a, a rock climb or driving a fast car or, or just going near a dog or a cat scares some of us silly. Holding a snake or allowing a spider to crawl up you. The list goes on and, and the list will go on and there'll be different things that each of us are scared about and different things that, that each of us need to show a bit of courage over. Because courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. It is showing strength in a situation that causes you pain. And when you hear the word courage, maybe you think of the, the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz as someone who didn't show an awful lot of courage, or maybe you just didn't understand what courage was. And, or maybe when you hear the word courage, you think of people like Nelson Mandela, Bear Grylls, Edmund Hillary, Rosa Parks, and others who showed huge courage in how they lived. Courage is doing something even when you're scared about the outcome. Many years ago, I was a venture scout. They're called explorers now. I don't really know why they changed the name, but they did. But I was a venture scout, and we had a Saturday where we went abseiling with the RAF mountain rescue team in the Black Mountains above Abergavenny in South Wales. They showed us how to anchor a rope to a tree. They showed us how to harness ourselves up, and they showed us how to abseil down a mountain. And it was a we were there all day, and it was going so well. It was wonderful. And as we were having lunch, they turned around and said, OK, have you had a good morning? We said, we've had a whale of a time. This has been absolutely superb. They said, OK, now we're going to show you how to abseil with just a rope and no harness. I mean, OK, well, that's going to be interesting to watch you guys do that. They went, oh, no, 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 you're doing it as well. And at that point, everything kind of went a little bit fuzzy in my head. And the fear started to, to creep in and, and my heart started to beat a little bit faster. But I was so scared. But my fear only got worse because they told us how to, to anchor this rope around our body. And so you go down with a rope like that. And they said, the only thing you need to worry about is if the rope starts to creep down towards the back of your knee. Because when it does that, it's very quickly that you can just come out and you're just holding on to the rope because the rope has gone straight. You guessed it. 
my rope started to move as I was abseiling down. And I did the only thing a, you know, a, a 16, 17 year old boy could do in those moments. I screamed like a baby. And, and somebody from the RAF mountain rescue, he, he abseiled down and I thought he's going to save me. And he just pulled the rope back up and said, carry on. Once I'd finished it, I felt like I was 10 feet tall. I thought, yes. I was so confident, even though I was scared, the courage stayed there and I carried on and I felt great once I'd come out the other side of that. And for all of us, there will be situations where we have been scared. Okay, maybe not hanging off a cliff in the Black Mountains scared, but there will be and still will be situations that scare us and call us to dig deep, to call, to find courage from somewhere. And this fear in life can be also in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because we can sometimes be in situations where we don't have the courage to do what God calls us to do. And we don't have the courage to live as followers of Jesus on what's known as our front lines. The, the places we live when we're not gathering together. And this morning, on this Palm Sunday, we continue this Lent series on confidence. And we think about confidence through courage. Last weekend, I walked into the living room and the kids were watching a really deep and meaningful film called The Croods. Some of you have seen the film The Croods. It's about cavemen and women. That's what it's about. It's, a, it's an animated cartoon film. And it's a great film. But, but in The Croods, somebody new comes into the family. And this new person has lots of new ideas about life and how they can live and places they can visit. And the family, especially the daughter, love this guy. They think he is the best thing since sliced bread. And he's got all these new ideas, all these new places that we can go to that we didn't think we could go to because dad has told us we're not allowed to go to them. Everybody loves this guy apart from dad. And you see, dad doesn't embrace new things. Dad knows what he likes and he likes what he knows. He's safe. He's comfortable in that. He doesn't venture too far from their home, which is a cave, because they're cavemen and women. He doesn't venture too far from that. He only eats what he knows he can eat. He only walks in places he knows he can walk. But this new guy is saying, we can see where the sun is. We can go and find new places to live, new foods to eat, new places to visit if we follow the sun. And the film is about this guy taking the family on these new things, and the dad trying to, to stop the family going on these things. And the problem is the, the, the dad feels threatened because he's unwilling to do things that he hasn't done before. And in one sense, his life is stuck. He is scared. And the problem with this is while he will not embrace the new things, in life he doesn't grow. His courage takes a hit and his confidence stalls. And in our faith journey, another reason we struggle with confidence is because we lack courage. And so when God calls us to something that's outside of what we know and what we're comfortable with, we choose to not embrace this or, or, or go that way. And when we do that, our confidence takes a massive hit because we don't have the courage to step into something that God is saying is new to us. And you see, the Bible encourages us even commands us 
to be courageous. For example, we read from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and strong. Now, you only need to give the instruction to be courageous if you know people are walking into a, uh, a situation or, or, or something that, that's difficult. But they're going to find themselves in some kind of danger. If people aren't walking into a tough situation or a, a dangerous situation, there's no reason, there's no call for them to be courageous. You don't need to instruct people to be courageous as they sit down for a meal. Unless it's mushrooms or lentils, but that's another story. Because that's something that we do. We're, we're comfortable with that. But you do need to call people to be courageous when you know the situations, the seasons, the, the, the aspects that they live in are difficult, are tough, are challenging, are unknown. Paul tells the early church in Corinth to be courageous because he knew they were in a tough and difficult situation. Corinth was not a great place to be a Christian. It wasn't easy. The the liberal views of the city were in direct opposition of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Paul himself, he'd had to overcome his weakness, fear and trembling to actually go to Corinth in the first place. So he had first-hand experience of what it means to have confidence through courage. And elsewhere in the Bible, we're, we're told to be courageous. I think the instruction, be courageous or, or take courage, is shown around 15 times or so in the Bible. That doesn't even include the accounts where it's obvious that people were showing great courage. For example, Moses told all Israel to be strong and courageous as they prepared to enter the promised land. Then Moses and the Lord himself told Joshua the same thing. Soon enough, the people repeated it in Joshua. Later, David commanded his son Solomon to be strong and courageous. Hezekiah charged all Israel to be strong and courageous when a great task lay before them. The message is always the same. God's people can be strong and courageous because God goes with them and fulfills his promises to them. And so... If the Bible instructs us to be courageous, that means for all of us, there are going to be situations and seasons in life when it's not going to be easy. And we either take a big gulp and go for it, or we stay exactly where we are, and in doing so, we never grow. We never move forward. Yet if we take the big gulp and go for it, then God comes with us and meets us and adds his amazing power to our weakness. As we said a moment ago with prayer and fasting, God adds his super to our natural. And this is what we see in a tricky situation in the book of Daniel. Daniel, his friends and others have been taken from Judah after it had fallen and they're taken to Babylon where they're forced to follow the Babylonian culture. And a big part of this would have been for them to, to let go of the faith in God that they knew and embrace the worship of other gods and idols. And so you've got Nebuchadnezzar is a king who's simply mad with power. He loves the power he has and so he exits his power in the wrong way and in stupid ways. He's created this 90-foot gold statue. There's wonderful music being played. And so this power-hungry king commands people to worship this statue, which is in turn worshipping him. 
And there would have been huge, unimaginable pressure to simply fall in line with the majority. To go unnoticed. And this is what many of those who were in captivity were doing. And yet Daniel and his friends were unwilling to do this. And that's the context to the situation we read today of three of Daniel's friends who were refusing to bow down and worship anyone and anything other than God. And so we read in Daniel chapter 3, these words. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. It's almost as if they want to say, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you silly fool. (laughs) We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. If we read on, we we see that they were indeed thrown into the furnace, but miraculously God rescued them with not even a hair being singed. It was a hugely courageous act. But can you imagine how their confidence grew through being courageous? These three young men stood up for the one they knew to be worthy of their worship. They showed courage. They took a big gulp and went for it regardless of the consequences. It was far from easy. But the thing to note about courage is this. Confidence through courage only grows when we step up into whatever it is that's causing us concern. Because it's through the stepping up that we're being courageous and therefore our confidence grows. You see, for these three young men, it would not have been easy to go against Nebuchadnezzar. The guy was a, I think the technical term is, he was an idiot. You know? He was just a megalomaniac. He was mad with power. He had a true obsession with himself and the power that he could wield. I mean, put people in prison by all means, if you're that way inclined, but but to throw them into a fiery furnace, that's a little bit over the top. You've lost the plot, Nebuchadnezzar. And that would have caused a huge amount of fear to these three young men, and yet, they stood tall. They exercised a huge amount of courage in the face of unimaginable turmoil. Why? Because they said, the God whom we serve is able. It didn't matter to them whether God would or wouldn't save them. They knew that he was able. And so they stood not in their strength or in their power, but they stood with God with them. It was a massive big gulp moment. But can you imagine these three young men 
standing outside the furnace after the ordeal. I bet they wanted to go and no, 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 no at Nebuchadnezzar. But they thought, okay, let's not push it. (laughs) How do you think they, they felt? They would have felt amazing. Their confidence would have been at an all-time high. Notice, it's not arrogance, but confidence in God. The God who is able to do the impossible. Same for us. Our confidence to grow through courage, we have to do something. You know, it's a bit like having the courage, the confidence to, to do something like a parachute jump or a bungee jump. You may have seen the program a while ago on TV called Face the Fear with Wim Hof. It's all about getting a bunch of celebrities to face their fears by having the courage to go through a series of challenges that involved ice and, and ice cold water. And, and all of that was heading, was leading to a bungee jump at the end of their time together off this really high bridge. And the program was examining if they were people of courage, but that would only be shown if at the end of their time they did the bungee jump. All of the celebrities were scared stiff as they stood at the end of this bridge, hundreds of feet high. But once they actually did it, you saw their confidence skyrocket. They changed. You see, for courage to be shown, you've got to do something. You cannot say you have courage for something, but it's never seen through. It's, it's never tested. And the ultimate display of courage was seen through Jesus. Today is Palm Sunday, and we, we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem in amongst those who were with him and those who were against him. We read the account from Luke's Gospel in Luke chapter 19. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down to the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. On this day, riding into Jerusalem as Jesus did, and the way he spoke to the Pharisees, the powerful religious leaders of the day, the way Jesus did that would have taken courage. And yet he was able to do that because he knew his Father God was with him. He basically stands tall and says to the Pharisees, good one trying to keep this lot quiet. They've had enough of your rule. They can see who I am and the different life that I offer to them. And if the Pharisees weren't annoyed with Jesus before that, they were certainly annoyed with him after this. We can read the events following that Palm Sunday where Jesus' authority was heavily challenged because Jesus showed godly courage. The Pharisees were running scared. And this next week, as Jesus journeys to the cross, he shows amazing courage, which in turn shows his confidence in his Father. And I know what you say, yeah, but he was Jesus. He's the Son of God. Yeah, but friends, he was fully human, as well as being fully divine. It's a phrase we banter around a lot in church, fully human, yet fully divine. But hold on to that. Fully human. Fully, not 
not 50%, not 75%, not even 99%, but fully human. You and I are fully human. And in that, Jesus had the courage to speak the way he did to the Pharisees, to, to ride into Jerusalem the way that he did. But on this day, there was also courage shown by some of the followers of Jesus. Because there, in the face of opposition, they're, they're shouting out blessings to Jesus. And the people that want to shut them up are, are stood right there. And in their face, they, they're defying the Pharisees and shouting out praises to God. Praises, blessings upon Jesus. And as Jesus rides in, their confidence too grows because they're exercising courage. And you see, in the Bible, everyone who has shown courage as they walk with Jesus has seen God's power displayed in their lives and they've grown in confident faith. Take, take Peter, example, walking on water as seen in the New Testament. Hands up if you've ever walked on water. No, you haven't. As far as I'm aware, Peter and Jesus, the only two that have ever done it. I'd love to have a go. It'd be great, wouldn't it? But Jesus, Peter, walking on water. Peter, Peter sees Jesus walking on water and thinks, well, that looks pretty cool. I'd like to have a go of that. But notice he only steps over the side of the boat and walks on water once Jesus calls him to it. For he knows with Peter's power, he cannot do it. But with Jesus' power, he can have the courage, he can be courage, courageous to be able to do that. Without Jesus' enabling, there's no way he could do that. But notice, Peter still had to do something. He had to step out over the boat. He had to sit on the edge of the boat and swing his legs over, look at the water, look at Jesus, and step out. So Peter shows great courage. Yes, I know he sinks when he looks at all the waves and turns his attention to his own abilities, but he would still have been the one who could always say that with Jesus' help, he walked on water. And after he had done that, and Jesus pulls him out of the water, he exclaims, truly then, you are the Son of God. Through his experience, friends, through his courage, he gained a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, and in turn, his confidence as a follower of Jesus grew. There's a book by author and pastor John Ortberg, and the title is, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. It's a great title. I suspect some of you have read the book. But to grow in confidence in our walk with Jesus, we need to grow in courage. We need to show courage. And to grow in courage, you have to get out of the boat. And so if we could say, well, we, I, I, I don't go in boats. <laughs> I don't see a boat going down the high street of Billericay. Okay, that's fine. You need to get off your backside then. You need to get off your backside and, and, and step away from your comfortable understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I suspect that we are not growing in confidence because we're not putting ourselves in situations where we feel a bit scared. And so everything we're doing, we are able to do. And I wonder if we fail to see God move because we're not moving. 
We're not, we're not taking risks. We're not showing courage. And instead, we're only doing what we know we can do. What we've done before. What we understand. In other words, friends, we're not getting out of the boat. And if you're not getting out of the boat, if you're not taking risks, if you're not putting your, allowing yourself to be taken by God into situations where as a follower of Jesus, you feel a bit scared, you are never going to know more than what you currently know. You're never going to grow more than where you currently are. William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And it's in the attempting great things for God that we see him doing great things. And so when it comes to your faith, when was the last time you were in a situation where you were a bit scared? As a follower of Jesus. Where, where you were taking a risk and you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. You know, for you, maybe... Coming on Tuesday to the prayer meeting where we're praying for the impossible will take some courage on your behalf. Because if you're honest, you're not sure God can do these things. For you, maybe writing that situation on your card that some of you are probably still sat on, but on your card. Of that impossible thing. You're a bit scared to write it down because once we write it down, we're we're declaring it, we're naming it. We're laying it before God. But we can't do that. Friends, that's 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 the whole understanding of prayer. Don't pray for the things that you can do. Pray for the things that you only know God can do. So write down the impossible that you, you, you just can't do it. And write that down for God. Maybe... You sense God is calling you to do something, but you just know it's beyond you. And it's going to take a huge step of courage on your behalf. Maybe there's a conversation you need to have that you're fearful of it because you're worried about which way it's going to go. It's going to be a bit difficult. It's going to take courage to have that conversation. Maybe it's applying for a new job or a new role where you work. Maybe you want to invite a neighbour to a, to a service at church, but you're a little bit scared about what they're going to say. Maybe there's a situation and you want to say to your neighbour, can I, can I pray for you? Maybe you're sat here today or you're watching online and it's about getting baptised. And it's about church membership. It's about once and for all saying that you love Jesus and that you believe he's calling you to be part of this local church. Friends, there are so many things in life where we need courage and God wants to give you the courage. He, for he knows as we step up in confidence, in courage, our confidence in him grows. And for For those three young men, as they stepped up with courage and got thrown into the furnace, God knew what would happen. That's what I love about this story. God knew what would happen. God knew that the other other side of this furnace would see them having walked through a miracle. And so for you and for me, when we know there is a situation or a season that is beyond us, God already knows what's on the other side. Amen? God knows what's on the other side. He knows what it's going to look like. 
And so when we step up in courage, God meets us and takes us to what he knows is already waiting for us on the other side of our fear. So courage, friends, is is not based in our own abilities, but it's based in God's strength. And when the Bible instructs us to be strong and courageous, it is never in our own abilities, but in the super abilities of God. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they could not save themselves from a fiery furnace. They couldn't do that. But they knew that God was able to do that. Being, standing up to King Nebuchadnezzar, being thrown in the fiery furnace, it was all beyond them. But they knew it was not beyond God. And I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Where are you in life? What situations are you facing, friends, that are beyond you? But you just sense in your spirit, because whenever you think about it, you get a little bit, your palms get sweaty. You get a bit anxious. I want you to know this morning that it is beyond you, but it is not beyond God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is beyond our living Father God. And so the wonderful thing about courage in our faith is that it's based upon God and of us trusting him, not us and what we know. And so when courage in our faith is required of us, how we respond to that will depend upon how we view that. Are we viewing it through our own strength, through our own lens, or are we viewing it through God's? If we view it through God's, the sky's the limit. Anything is possible for us as individuals and for us as a church. As I draw this sermon uh, to a close, I want us to think about communion as the worship group come back and just quietly start playing. What it represents, the bread and the cup. We're starting the, the week of all weeks. The most important week in the life of a follower of Jesus that will see Jesus crucified and rise to life. This week, Jesus, as fully human, showed amazing courage, but the truth that he did this for all of us should move us to have courage in him and for him. You know, the outcome of the situation that we see in Daniel came about because these three young men were were not willing to compromise their worship of the one true God. They were not willing to fall in line with what the world was tempting them with and trying to lead them to. And friends, not much has changed. Because there are things in the world that are testing our faith. Testing our understanding of the teaching of the Bible. Trying to to pull us off course. And to stay true to Jesus will take courage. But may we know that our courage is based in the one who today through this simple meal that we celebrate, that we remember, that we give thanks for, shows that we live in and with his power, shows that he is far greater than anything in the world. And God wants us to be 
courageous Christians. So that we will be Christians who know the confidence that he gives us to live out our faith in the places he calls us to live and the situations he calls us to. And when we do that, the world sees Jesus. The world sees Jesus and the world is transformed. Do you want to see your faith transformed? Do you want to see your faith grow? Do you want to see yourself standing tall and stepping into all that God has for you? Do you want to see the world transformed by the love of Jesus? That's not a rhetorical question. Do you want to see Billericay transformed by the love of Jesus? Well then ask God, what are the courageous things that he's calling you to step into? What are the conversations that are going to take courage out in the community, amongst your neighbours, amongst your work colleagues, that he's calling you to have? If you want your confidence to grow in Jesus, friends, it's time to get out of the boat. It's time to to get your feet wet. It's time to see him do amazing things. So friends, where is God calling you to? What is the unknown that God invites you to? The question is, will you be courageous and step out on the water? Or a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, will you be exactly where you are now? You haven't grown, you haven't got any more confidence because you chose to play it safe. Jesus did not play it safe. Jesus, as he rode into Jerusalem, could have chosen an amazing horse. The best horse ever. He could have gone on top of that horse. He could have had a shield. He could have had a spear. But he didn't choose to play it safe. That would have been safe. He chose to go on a humble donkey. He chose to be exposed. And in doing that, he showed courage. And the world was forever changed. Friends, as your pastor, my heart is that for all of us, we'd never ever settle. But that we know there is more. And we step up with courage, with even in amongst fear. And we experience the amazing power of God. That's what this meal, this bread, this wine is all about. It's not just to tide you over till you have your lunch. It's, it's a symbolic that you realize that the body of Jesus is broken for you, that the blood of Jesus was shed for you so that you do not live in your name and in your strength and in your power, but you live in the power of the living God. Amen? Yeah, let's stand together. And as we come around this communion table, we're going to sing a song that simply says, Thank you. So as we sing this, thank Jesus for what he's done. And just say to him, Father, what is it that you're calling me to? I want to respond. I want to say yes to you today. Because nothing is impossible with you. Thanks, guys.